Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. Hello, everybody. Welcome to History Makers TV. I'm your host, Derek Schneider. I am so privileged today to have a few very good friends with me, and one of them is more than a friend, and that's my wife, (laughs) Sarah Schneider, who we might as well just announce it, is pregnant with our second child. Hallelujah. (laughs) And uh, she's all the way from the Philippines. We met over there when I was doing ministry. The Lord graciously brought us together. It was a miracle thing. It was a God thing. And her family, they actually own uh, the Prayer Mountain there in Philippines. Incredible Prayer Mountain, the glory of God there. And we were married on the mountain of prayer, and the presence of God was just so powerful. And since then, we've come back to Canada post-COVID season. We've had our first daughter, Shiloh, and now another one on the way. And uh, I'm just so happy to have great people in the studio today. Also, I want to introduce somebody who's not as close to me as my wife, but, but, but a best friend you could consider, Pastor revivalist, author, Pastor Joe Garcia from Hamilton. How are you, Joe? I'm doing great, Derek. Thank you so much for the honor and the privilege to be here with you. I'm doing great. I'm doing I'm living my best life. You're living your best <laughs> life. <laughs> and, and, and you've got to meet his wife, Bella. We'll be having her on the program, I'm sure, at some point. And you're going to be seeing a little bit more from Pastor Joe. And maybe you'll bring Bella with you in July, where I'll be away. He'll be filling in on History Makers TV. So we're so glad that you've joined us today. I want to jump right into it, because we've got a lot to discuss today. Pastor Joe... Your church, the river in Hamilton, you experienced revival. And, and, yeah. and can I just say, I don't, want you to, I don't want you to hold back today. I want you to just tell the truth, okay? You experienced revival. I remember seeing the, the photos and the video clips yeah. of lineups, you know, down the street, similar to what we saw maybe in Brownsville Revival. Uh, you had people's casts and 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 braces still up on the wall i think of your church and uh, tell us a little bit about that what happened (laughs) and and what was life like before and then what happened it was uh yeah got really touched down in a in a very powerful way back in uh, 2016 uh it was interesting because we were going to host a conference it was going to supposed to be a three day three night conference and suddenly, we, um, I was driving uh, to church, and I started seeing a lineup to enter the building. And um, from that first night, it was as if uh, the presence of God was so thick in the room mm. that as you enter the building, you could feel it. You know, an hour before the service. And, and you had a guest speaker for those three days. And so, you know, that would have helped to gather some of the people. Yeah. 
But then there was a special presence. There was something different about it. Totally. And, and the question was, and continues to be, is how? How did this happen? And I, you know, as we rewind the tape a little bit, uh, you were asking what was life prior to that. Yeah, because usually there's something that's preceding it. Like, did you have right. 40 days of prayer or, or <laughs> were you living your best life and God just honored you? Hey, my, my life hashtag is if it's not fun, we don't want it. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be fun. Every aspect of life, ministry, uh, marriage, raising your children, you've got to enjoy life. I think Jesus was all about that, enjoying every, every moment of life. But I remember leading, years leading into that, months leading into that, weeks and days leading into that moment. Uh, Belle and I were, were hungry. We were done with really the same old thing of church as usual. Church as usual. Uh, you know, just coming and a sermon, a few songs, and off we yeah, go. Yeah. We started getting hungry for the more. And I remember every time we had an opportunity, we would fly here, we would fly there. We were going desperately seeking after the impartation, the presence of God. Now, was that God-initiated hunger or was that you guys were hungry? And I think this is the age-old question maybe, but what are your thoughts on that? Just sliding that question I, in there. I believe it was a mixture of both. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it's both. You know, I think God initiates that, but then what do we do with it? Like everything in life. Great answer. You know, I think God started putting the hunger in us, and we stepped out in faith. And not There was moments we didn't really have much funds to go out to a conference or, you know, fly to Argentina and, and be in a conference with Claudio Fritz on that. It's been in, in revival for Claudio decades Fritz, yeah. and decades. Yeah. So you were hungry and visiting these sort of wells, these hot spots. Yeah. And it's not the first time we've heard that where people were so hungry, they were willing to pay any price, yeah. get on a plane. I mean, that's even my own story with the revival in Europe and yeah. what we have now. God seems to be uh, a respecter of hunger. So you had a season of hunger leading up. So keep Yes, going. and I, I remember uh, months before that 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 in that moment at my church i was in argentina and i was just even sharing this with my church a couple weeks ago mm. and i was you know 5000 leaders in a room and uh, pastor claudio called myself and my friend uh, up on the stage to pray for us and he was that was a moment that really changed my life wow that was a moment that i I mean, I was touched by revival in Pensacola, Florida. Yeah. Uh, I before that, I judged revival yeah. in Toronto. Wow. I was I would sit in those chairs and it'd say, "Well, that's not God. God can never do that." And then I'm in Pensacola, Florida. Nothing about manifestations, but yet repentance and getting your right with your heart right with God. Different expression. Different expression. Of revival. But yet everything that I said. It wasn't God in Toronto. Now it was being manifested in my physical body. For three days, I didn't really sleep, didn't eat, couldn't speak, couldn't put a word together. And it, it was like electricity was flowing through my body. And we had taken a few of our youth with us, a couple of vans Is with this us. this Brownsville? Brownsville yeah, Revival. Yeah, yeah. And every time somebody touched me, they would be electrocuted. And they would be thrown back several Jesus. feet. So now I'm in... in in Argentina, and I'm called on stage by 
Pastor Claudio Friedzone to pray for. Wow. He wanted to pray for me. And he was about pro probably four or five feet away from me. And he stretched his hand. And as he did that, I felt the hand of God touch me. I even feel the anointing right I, now. I just moved back <laughs> in the chair. I almost had you turn and say, release it to our studio. If you're watching this broadcast, just take what's being released Amen. right now. Amen. The spirit of revival is in the room. Let me tell you, keep going. So he, he started approaching me, and I lifted my hands. And as he, he started approaching me with his hand stretched out to me, the hand of God came over my chest. And I remember falling on the floor. Pastor Claudio did not touch me. Mm. He was still four or five feet away from me. Mm. The hand of God touched me, and I am on the floor, and I started feeling this heaviness of God that I had never, I mean, I had been to meetings, conferences, Hallelujah. searching God, been touched by God many, many times, but that moment shifted Hallelujah. me, and I felt the hand of God go through my chest, mm. and I remember on that stage in Argentina, Buenos Aires, Argentina, crying out to God and, and screaming to God, saying, God, do not kill me in your presence. Jesus. Whew. God, do not kill me in your presence. It was so heavy, Derek. I, I can even feel it now, the anointing as, as I share. It was so heavy that changed everything about me. Mm. And this was months leading into... Uh, the, our revi the revival you didn't church. know that didn't something know was about was to visit coming. your church listen guys if you don't believe that the anointing is transferable yeah. in a way that can open a portal in your city in your nation in your so church true. in your ministry you are hearing legitimate testimony i know this guy i know this is real so true so there i was crying out to god not for more not for another touch but crying out to him to Easy is heavy presence on me because it was so heavy on my heart. And then I woke up sitting on Pastor Claudia's chair on the stage. <laughs> and for hours, I was, somebody grabbed me, sat me on his chair. And then I woke up from all of that. And for a few hours, I was just in his presence and feeling this heavy presence of God that I had never felt before. And from that moment, everything, every aspect of who I am, of my ministry, shifted. I can't explain it. I can't put my finger on it. But that was, see, we need encounters with God. You need encounters. Encounters. And sometimes, in people, I used to be the person, well, if God wants to visit me, I, he can come to my church. And it's passive. That right there yeah. is that passive pastoral approach. Of if God wants to, he, right. he knows the street address. Right. <laughs> but, you know, the question is, was it God or was it me? It was the combination of both. You know, it was God placing the hunger in us, but yet me taking a step of, and he also investing in, in, in my personal growth, mm -hmm. investing in, you know, searching for the impartation mm -hmm. and I believe I received an impartation. Yeah, you, you absolutely did. And that so day. You, you return home and, and you're, you're still hungry. You're still in the glory. And then these meetings begin. What kind of things, other than a full house, I've seen the pictures where 
standing room only. I mean, there's a reason there was a lineup like that. What was taking place in the services? There, it was, it was heaven on earth. Yeah, yeah. That's how I can describe it. It was, it was not like, oh, here we are trying to hype this thing up or make you know something happen. No, no. During worship, you would start hearing people scream and run around the room wow. in the middle of worship. Because the healing had broken out. Mm. A child was blind and now is seeing. Someone lame that walked in with crutches or on a wheelchair now is, is walking. And then we started having teams going onto the streets every day. Mm. And going into the malls every day. I remember a lady on one of those you know, electrical um, wheelchairs. Uh, one of the, our team was at one of our um, uh, malls in, in, our, in our city. And they approached her and asked if she would like to be touched by Jesus. And, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, the normal person being in that wheelchair, she was actually had been um, a, um, a, a security guard at one of the Twin Towers in 9-11. Wow. Uh, doing all of that, she broke her back wow. in several places. And now she was confined to this wheelchair. You know, she had been married uh, since she was on this wheelchair, she, she, she married, and her husband had never seen her walk. He'd never been married to her as wow. someone who could walk. Exactly. <laughs> Our team prays for this lady, asks her if she would, like, she would believe, and she believed and accepted the healing power of Jesus. And in that mall, she got up from that wheelchair, wow. and she walked. She came to the service that night wearing high heels, Pull her wheelchair, push it. And, you know, she, we had like three or four steps onto the platform. Yeah. She, you know, straight. She, and she actually went to her doctor, and her doctor could not believe what was happening. Amazing. The power of God, it was being manifested. Heaven touching earth. Heaven touching earth. Now, on how, earth as it is in heaven. How, <laughs> how did the rest of the churches in the region relate to this because one dynamic that we typically see with revival is it's often divisive uh, and you wish that there would be this sudden utopia of pastors and local leaders cheering you on showing up you know <laughs> you hope for all of that go, but Joe, go. yeah yeah go for it we, we're just glad God's visiting your building over there and and yet we see the opposite yeah. so much of the time what did you really experience? What well, happened? How did they respond? Let me just say, first of all, before I answer that question, some of my leaders, some of my uh, people from my flock, that we had been praying for revival for years. Suddenly, revival is in our building, and they're not showing up for church. Wow. Why? It's uh, inconvenient. Offended. Yeah. Someone is sitting on my seat. There's too many people in the parking lot. There's not, not enough space for us to park the cars. I mean, people would, would drive to, the, to, the, to, the, to our building, mm. and the parking lot would be overflowing. Yeah. They would go home, grab a taxi, and come to church. Wow. People were flying from all over the world for this, across from all, you know, all over but Canada. But your own people had a fence. Yes. Offended with Jesus. Offended with Jesus, did not understand, even though they were passionate, even though they wanted revival. They had prayed for they revival. They had prayed for revival. <laughs> we had many meetings crying out for God. 
fasting, praying, seeking, pushing. But when it hit. But in when it hit, it was, it was not convenient. You know, it reminds me a lot of John the Baptist, who foretold and embodied a, a trumpet blast that this Jesus would, was coming. Yeah. That would baptize you with fire and all of this. And here he's baptizing all of Israel. One of, one of them is going to be the Son of God. Mm. He has an encounter with Jesus. And then even after, he ends up asking, look, I, he sends someone to ask, are you the, are you the one or should we wait for another? Yeah. Yeah. A stumbling block of offense Jesus yeah. was. And so your leaders are inconvenienced. You're surprised by who's really hungry, who's really showing up. Now, other pastors in the region, and, and you've just got to be honest, because I know a bit of this story, and, and it's just the reality. How was the reaction? Um, let me say, I had some leaders that really gathered around us, supported us, cheered us on, but I had some leaders that kind of cut us off. You're talking about pastors, yes. like regional, not Re in your church. Right. Okay. Pastors, leaders from the region mm -hmm. that cut us off because of what was going on. I, I, even words like, this would never happen with Joy and Bella. Wow. This would never happen at the river. Others, words like, we are the ones called for revival for the nation. If revival is going to come to Canada, it would never come Surely to them. It would come to, it my, would church. Come to my church, not wow. their church. Wow. Um, others that, you know, even some that walked with me closely, um, you know, prior to people that I was at, breakfast prayer meetings yeah praying for our city the praying the ministerial exactly <laughs> praying for uh revival for our region for our city for our nation for the nations of the world now god is touching my house you know one of the things that really happened or touching our city and the house is the amount of healings that took place through the web we, there was nights we had over 500,000 people tuning in. Watch, wow. Watching online. Wow. You know, right there live, we, we had a table on the side with someone with an iPad receiving prayer requests. In live, we would pray for those. We saw many miracles around the world live from our stage praying, interceding for what was going on in other parts of the world. And we saw miracles, financial miracles, healings, you name it. And yet, here we are, some of the pastors and leaders in the region really um, rejecting what God is doing. Wow. You know, even words like, well, Joe is fabricating miracles. Wow. You know, it's, this is not really what's happening there. You know, uh, like even some pastors saying, do not go to those meetings because we don't support those meetings. Wow. You know, people like pastors really... Telling their people not to not come to go. Not because they would not partner with that. Therefore, we don't want you to partner with that. You know, the, I, I honed in on this for a bit of a reason because I've got a follow-up question with it. But you know we opened our History Makers Church yep. uh, just this past Sunday in-person meetings. And there was so much excitement and, and we had a number of people come. And by that night, I got a message from... Uh, a young lady, and she was in tears, and she said, my, my leadership, my church leadership attacked me for going to another church, mm. for coming to History Makers Church. That, that, and I couldn't believe, because I had been traveling for so long, I had been out of the loop a little bit of this kind of stuff, and I'm astonished 
at our lack of understanding of the kingdom of God. So true. And this loyalty to a mm. church or a a pastor. And I, I believe in being faithful where you're planted yes. and loyal to whatever God gives you to do. But this excess, mm. uh, the control, the religiosity. So how did you posture yourself in your heart when you had... And you knew this stuff was being said about you. And that's some pretty nasty stuff you just shared. It was. How did you posture your heart to handle this when it's coming from people who you're supposed to be walking with? It was interesting that the spiritual aspect of that was so heavy that I would be lying on my bed in the morning. And real, I'm, I'm a very joyful person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can see that, Joe. I'm very positive. I'm very joyful. You know, I, I, yeah, but yet I would be lying in bed and thinking, you know what? I'm just going to cancel all these meetings. I'm going to stop with all of this. This is not worth it. Mm. And I would feel this heaviness come upon me, mm. this spiritual heaviness come upon me, attack to really abort what God wanted to do because what was being said against us. Word so, so, you know, we, we really had to shake that off. And, uh, I started inviting people for lunches. I started blessing people. I started, you know, you know, I started loving why, them. Why don't you like me? <laughs> no, you know what? There was moments that I went out for lunch with leaders from my city or from my region that, a, you know, a blind eye had been healed the night before. Yeah. And on that lunch meeting, we never talked about yeah. what was going on at my church. We talked about everything else. Except for the Except major miracle. What was going on, you know, the night or the nights before I might build. And we start love, we kept loving people where they were at. We kept pouring into them. I think love really is the we understood love is the life jacket in those situations. Tell me about Joe. we understood the what a greater depth of loving unconditionally. Wow. Because sometimes, you know, we we love people because there's a condition. You know, we love because they give me a platform or, you know, they help me in this or they're supporting me in that. And we really, we really learned a whole new level of love because there was actually nothing in return at times. So you, you kind of came to the end of your own ability to love and you would have to ask God to be. And, and it's fascinating that you would experience that type of depression or pessimism in the midst of revival yeah. uh, because of the power of word curses yeah. from gatekeepers. Yeah. You know, this is amazing to me. And I think of the religious spirit and in the days of Jesus where Jesus would literally have opened blind eyes mm -hmm. or a crippled man walked mm -hmm. and the Pharisaical spirit is saying, you know, the Pharisees are saying, yeah, but he, he did it on the Sabbath. Yeah, <laughs> you know, trying to hold to a law or finding a way totally blind yeah. to the heart of God in the matter that shouldn't we be rejoicing? Blind eyes were open. So, so to get really real here for a moment, that says to me that, uh, that more pastors and leaders than we think are maybe having the mindset of building their own kingdom. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason you'd react like that. If you wanted to be the biggest show on the block and then it happened somewhere else, and if that stirs up jealousy to the point that you can't celebrate the miracle power of God, 
That means uh, you've been focused on, on building the wrong kingdom. You told me to be, to be transparent and yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, during those meetings, there was, um, we had to move locations uh, to a very larger venue. Uh, you know, because the crowds, we couldn't handle the crowds. So you actually had to shift venues. Yeah, wow. we had to shift venues, and the cost increased. Uh, and there was a moment there that we needed to X amount of dollars mm. at the end of the month to pay for what was going on. And the Lord laid in my heart to sow a seed to a ministry in our region. And I, of course, told the Lord, I don't have money for that. I can't do that right now. I need to... I need to wait until more funds come in because I need to pay for this, pay for that, pay for that. And there was a prophetic word during that time. And the word was very direct to my heart. And it said, the funds are not flowing because you're the problem. Wow. And suddenly I'm like, God, what do you mean? And, and, and the prophet said, how do you hear God? I'm like, I'm very prophetic. I'm an apostolic leader. I'm a pastor. What do you mean how I hear God? Mm -hmm. you, you're mm -hmm. questioning me how I hear God? Mm -hmm. and, and he said, no, no, you tell me how you hear God. And right there and then he asked me, well, let's, let's ask the Lord. And, and, and I didn't hear anything. And he said, you're, you are, the Lord says, you're the problem of why the funds are being withheld. And suddenly I said, oh my gosh, the Lord told me to sow a seed to uh, this ministry. And you didn't do it. And I didn't do it. Wow. So right there, I called the office. I asked uh, to, for a check to be, to be prepared for this yeah. ministry. And personally, I took that check to that ministry personally. Did it hurt to give it? It hurt in every aspect. <laughs> <laughs> I had to ask because... Derek, it hurt in the aspect of I know what was being said. It hurt in the aspect of I know um, that I needed those funds. Mm. But I also knew that I needed to be obedient to the voice of God. Wow. So I did. And then a week later, I received a letter and there was a card and there was the return check. And in that card, it said, we cannot receive offering seeds from what's so-called revival in your house. Wow. And we are returning these funds back to you. This is a true story. Derek, as God is right here with us. It is a true story. Because you would think people would want to receive money. Like, okay, we don't like the you. The seed but was rejected. Dear God. That seed was rejected. We blessed that ministry. We still bless that ministry. But you passed a test in your... That must have done something in your own heart. Sure did. And I have found that some of the highest level of spiritual warfare or the way you war... When there is dishonor, you function in the opposite spirit. Yeah. You function in honor. Totally. When you are hated, you function in yeah. love. I've got to tell you, because these things get really real in revivals. Here I am in Europe, part of this revival coming out of Ukraine, uh, the leader of it, Sunday at Elijah, largest church in Europe. I'm, I'm living with him for, for one month, studying this move mm. of God. Long story short, he brings me to a service at another church, an anniversary, a celebration. And, uh, and, and when we get there, there's some big name speakers. And, and he was uh, dishonored. Mm. He wasn't preaching there, but he was dishonored. And you'd have to know the dynamics of, of why and how that was. 
And when we left the event, I remember we were driving in the car and I was saying to him, how do you handle that? Mm. Like, how do you not carry bitterness and hatred and, you know, how do you not want to push back and, and dishonor your brother? And, and this is one of these true stories. He, he reached into his, his breast pocket and pulled out his cell phone and he calls this pastor right in front of me in the car. He calls this pastor and he begins to bless this pastor and thank him for having him, uh, you know, saying it's so good that you're bringing these speakers into, you know, just blessing the socks off him. And I think, I think he even sent a check later. And when he hung up the phone, this was what he did. He went like this, ah, there, I'm free. Yeah. It, the, the envy or the anger or the jealousy lifted off him by functioning in the opposite spirit, mm. no matter how he had yeah. been treated. During that pursuit of the presence of God, pursuing, you know, the more of God, pursuing revival, pursuing an impartation, there was one moment in time that uh, a prophet, I mean, I, I, I am... I'm a sucker for all of this. I want everything and more from God. And I will move mountains to go after yeah, it. Yeah. But I remember one time I was in a meeting and I really was desperate for a word of God. You know, was really desperate for God to speak to me prophetically. Where just where we were at, because we had been coming, you know, we were in the midst of a, of a five-year drought personally uh, in the church. I mean, there was moments we didn't even have $5 to purchase a bag of milk for our kids. Wow. And my wife in real estate, and, you know, we had just opened a business, a, 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 a daycare, and, and things weren't, weren't good. And I was so desperate for a word from God. Mm. And I was in this meeting, and the prophet, all this prophet said was, the good is not yours, mm. and the bad is not yours. Yes. And that really hit me, and I think it was the, the word good that is I, not yours, and the bad is not yours. So whatever good comes your way, give it back to God. Give it back because the glory and the honor is mm, His. Mm. And when they speak bad about you, when the bad is coming towards you, when you're encountering all of these things, that is not yours either. Yeah. What I and that really helped me for those moments. And let me tell you, I had good friends. Good leaders, yeah. pastors, apostolic leaders that stood with us. I did. I did during those, that time. I had really good friends, pastors, leaders that were with us, journeyed with us. But even when the bad was coming towards us, I remember that word. Yeah. They're not talking about me. They're yeah. not mocking me. Yeah. They're not judging me. It, I, don't, I don't have to keep this. This is not mine. Yeah. I don't need to carry that. Because this, whatever bad they're talking about, whatever they don't understand or think, saying that I'm fabricating, whatever it is, this is not mine. Mm, beautiful. This is the Lord's. Thanks for listening to Transformation Generation Podcast. If you liked what you heard, visit historymakersacademy.com to enroll in one of our cutting edge trainings. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, History Makers TV, or download our History Makers Society app today.